Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey, Lindsay here. The thing that gives me the most anxiety about raising my son is the fear that the world will try to force him to conform and become someone who is neurotypical passing. That's why in our home, we do everything we can to support him in just being his best self. If he needs to stim, you got it, buddy. If he's having a sensory meltdown, let's cocoon and cancel our plans. Being his best self means trusting himself in a world that will tell him being himself is wrong. That freaking breaks my heart for him. That fear used to paralyze me, but now it just empowers me to fight harder to change how we view and approach neurodiversity as parents. If I can give him a strong enough foundation of self-worth, he'll be resilient and brave enough to be himself. That's what I wish for my child, your child, and every child on this earth, regardless of their neurotype. And that's why we created Responsive Parenting Your Neurodivergent Child, the video series. In this series, we break down how to determine your child's unique needs and how to parent them from a responsive approach rather than an approach that's focused on behavior and punishment. Because instead of trying to fit these kids into the world, we need to make their world work for them. And this course will show you how to do it. It's $20. Check out the link in our show notes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. My name is Lindsay Adams and I'm here with Paige. Hi everybody. And we are still on our podcast night. How many episodes have we recorded? This is our seventh episode in like 12 hours, guys. Yep. Maybe not 12 hours. Yeah, because it would have been three in the morning. But yeah. within the last 24 hours, yeah. we have done six episodes, one outline, lots of content, and got a hearty night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing it. Um, and I'm super excited about this episode because I think it's going to be really useful for both parents about themselves and then also with children. So this episode will be focused on yourself as an adult and how you can be aware of um, the emotional ladder and, you know, how emotions work in correlation with your ADHD. And then once you have an understanding of that, it is easier to apply to your child. Yeah. And there are a lot of different versions of this. I think just... In understanding emotions in general. And this one is specific to like neurospicy experience. And I believe the author of the book, We're Working Through Your Brain's Not Broken, Strategies for Navigating Your Emotions in Life with ADHD by Tamara Rosier, PhD. I believe she actually coined with a partner this specific model of the latter. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Because it's very much like a zones of regulation to me. Yeah. Like that's what I feel like. But it's very specific for, and, and this is helpful and translate well into like, where is your child's nervous system at in correlation with like their ADHD? Where's your own nervous system at in correlation with ADHD? Because yeah. it's so intertwined and there's so much crossover, but I really like it because it's a specific way to understand it for neurospicy individuals. Yes. 
So first let's talk about like what is the emotional ladder. So picture this, a ladder has different rungs on it and there are four different, or there are five, five different rungs. So at the very top, we have present and calm. Right below that, we have attending to. Level three is like autopilot. Four is survival. And five is delusional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So Paige, do you think we should start in the middle or do you want to start at the top? I kind of like a top down. Yeah, I was going to say it makes more sense to me to structure it from the top in the yeah. book, they do it. If you do read the book, they they structure it. They start by teaching on the middle um, because that's where people spend the most time. And then it's like the two healthier versions are above the middle and the two like uh, warning sign red alert versions are below the middle. And so keep that in mind. But we're going to start from the top down. So present and calm is the top. And what does someone look like? What do you feel like when you're in present and calm? Um, present and calm for me is less tension in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel red, red, well rested. I have energy. I'm generally joyful. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty happy, like bopping through life. Um, more patient, like I'm triggered less. So like less emotional reactivity, easier to focus. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, the zone, like when you're in a regulated space, when you think of like the zones of regulation, this is that piece. Like, and for me, it's like, I'm flexible and I'm adaptable. So if a challenge arises, it's not a big deal. I don't get emotionally activated by it. Mm -hmm. I just deal with it in the moment and move on. I'm also able to be like easily motivated to do the things that I know that I need to do. And the important thing I think that she points out is that in each phase of the ladder, our emotional voice um, in our head is louder or softer. Mm-hmm. And in this phase, and I, I resonate with this a lot in myself, your, my emotional voice is there, but it's like a guide, like I hear it in the background, but it's not something that's like screaming at me or influencing my decisions yeah. as much. Another thing I really like about this one is we talk about um, awareness in general <clears throat> and how when we are not in this level one present and calm state our brain is in some way seeking out danger and it'll focus on what it feels like is the highest threat so something that i see a lot is the interpretation of like even neutral stuff like hey how's it going as like a personal attack right like well they don't they just want to know how i'm doing because they want something from me right and we see this a lot in like black and white thinking anytime your nervous system is lit up so This one, when I think about it, it's like, oh, someone doesn't respond to my invitation or like, I'm like, hey, do you want to hang out? And they're like, no, I can't with no explanation, right? When I'm present and calm, then I can accept that as like, okay, sounds good. They must have other things going on. Like other, I am able to be empathetic and curious and take on other perspectives versus when I'm lit up, I know that I'm like, they don't want to be my friend anymore. Like they don't want to hang out with me. I must've done something wrong. I should ask them like all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. And so just being aware of that and being aware of like that, that your nervous system state really does impact how you view the world and you will see a difference in your like assumptions about where people are coming from and if you make assumptions or if you can approach it from a curious state. The other thing too is like for me being able to tell which state I'm in is how well um, self-talk works for me. So like mm-hmm. correcting my self-talk or like so um, if I'm in maybe 
if I'm in level one or two, I can, I have a thought like, oh, using your example, maybe they don't like me. And then I'm able to say, oh no, actually I know this is going on with them. They're probably just busy like, and be more curious. Mm -hmm. But, and if that works and if my emotional mind accepts that and I can move on, then I know that I'm in those like more regulated spaces. But if it doesn't work or I'm unable to do that, that's when I know. And you can, and this is with yourself and with your kids too. Like, Mm -hmm. because when you're in fight or flight, your logic and reasoning goes off board. So if you can logic and reason, then you likely are in some some kind of calm state. Yeah. The thing I like about her ladder specifically, she talks about ADHD symptoms in relation to each one. So she says like, you still have symptoms Mm -hmm. at this stage, but you're much more mindfully aware of them. You're much, it's much easier to use those tasks and tips and hacks that we've discussed before. Mm-hmm. Um, you have more problem solving capabilities when it comes to those experiencing those symptoms. And this is why we say that nervous system regulation is the root of everything, right? The root of everything. Because if you can regulate your nervous system, then you can use all the, uh, the tips and tricks and on all of those things. Yes. Okay. The next rung on the ladder is attending to. What does that look like? Ooh, that's a good question. So right under one, we're on two. So I'm still somewhat regulated and I can do most things without becoming emotionally overwhelmed. I can delay the emotional voice mm-hmm. um, and have non-reactive moments. But it, it's a little more of a push and pull. Like it takes a little more effort. And this is where, like, from a nervous system regulation piece, like, if you feel yourself being more in a push and pull, it's taking more energy to stay um, calm, to stay regulated. This is when it's really important to, like, take some time to support your nervous system, use a skill, do something to reset, because it's so much harder once you move down to that third rung of um, survival mode that or autopilot that to – is three autopilot – yeah. Yeah. To autopilot to then um, use a skill and get out of it. So recognizing that like, okay, I'm maybe not fully in ease and flow, right? I am right. in like, it's a little bit difficult, but I can see that it's starting to get difficult. Yeah. And one, one thing that she mentions in the book that I really appreciate is this is where I recognize things as an obstacle or a problem and I'm able to make a note of it. To solve later or to ask for help and then keep going. Yeah. Instead of just automatically starting to spiral Mm -hmm. or panic or, again, like move into yellow and then red of like avoiding it for so long. And for me personally, like if, if I'm rigid, that is how I know I'm not regulated. So like if I'm flexible and adaptable... I know that my regulate. I'm doing a good job of taking care of my nervous system and staying in a regulated state. Yeah. So with ADHD symptoms in level two, they are identified. They're causing more of a problem for you. It's difficult. Maybe we're trying to do the dishes and get ready for work at the same time. <laughs> That's me. But we can identify it. And then we are able to access and use strategies and techniques to manage those. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little more like careful work and consistency, but we're able to access and use those. Like acknowledge, access, and use them. Okay, I'm struggling a little bit. This is what it is. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. Versus like level one, you're not really struggling. You're just like living your life. Yeah. I wish we could be in level one all the time, but that's just not realistic. (laughs) I wish we could too. Most of our time is not in level one. Most of our time is in actually level three, which is autopilot. And autopilot looks like 
just kind of doing the things without being aware or like mindful or present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Impulsive decisions, solving problems immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I need an immediate solution, mm-hmm. but you're not able to like use any kind of problem solving or strategies to come up with how to solve the problem. Yeah. Or it's like feeling like something needs to be solved immediately, but it actually doesn't need to be solved immediately. Like you can just wait till later. Yes. And you can feel the fight or flight response, like that stress response in your body. So your heart rate has increased. Maybe your body's more tense. I, I kind of think about it when you said that you usually used to do this when you went camping. Mm-hmm. Like you would go on autopilot because you know all the things you need to pack and do, mm-hmm. but you're not mindfully aware mm-hmm. of like how it's impacting you or how you're moving through it. Yeah. And it's going from like task to task to task without stopping, without thinking, without taking a moment. You just do the things and uh, it's a little bit like a tornado, like whatever's in your way, you're irritable with. Like if someone stops you and interrupts you, if there's a challenge, like I'm irritated with this. Yes. And so with ADHD symptoms, what she says is when you can tell that you're on autopilot because you're not thoughtfully using the strategies and um, things that you've already determined to be supportive, mm-hmm. you're just waiting for the fire and then putting up the fire as they show up. Mm-hmm. And this is a struggle because – when we already are have a differently wired brain, we struggle with the executive function, like sequencing, like doing steps one, two, three in order, or short short term memory, or like intense emotions, regardless. And then you add in the piece where your nervous system is lit up, so you're more reactive. Mm-hmm. Your short term memory is even more unreliable, and you are so focused on like just fixing things immediately that you're defaulting to some of those like toxic patterns or self-sabotaging patterns that we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And you're almost like not aware of it because you're on autopilot. Like there's no awareness that like this is what I'm doing until usually either someone points it out to you or you like have been aware enough for long enough that you recognize it. Yes. And you can tell because your emotions, when you're identifying emotions, they'll be more focused on avoidance, anxiety, and stress Mm -hmm. than like calm and peace or happy or joy, anything like that. And I think this one is important too because this is when I mentioned earlier when you're in one and two, you have more perspective of others. When you're in three, you don't. Um, It is very normal for the brain to become more self-centered because you're worried about your survival and getting your way. That's just the way the brain is wired. And so it it can impact the relationships and people around you to just be existing in autopilot because you are more like Mm self-centered about getting what you need Mm -hmm. and how you are interpreting things. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next one is survival. And this is like full on fight or flight. (laughs) This is not the low level fight or flight. This is, I am, my brain is purely focused on, me surviving and everything is perceived as a threat yep we're frantic we're on high alert we have very a lot of difficulty adapting and learning we don't sleep well you might gain or lose unhealthy weights like all of these have physical consequences also which Mm -hmm. i think is interesting which is just the nervous system which is why we talk about that but it's like that we're talking chronic illness, right? We're existing in survival for so long that now our body is responding and we're sick and we're self, self-centered self again and we're very critical of others. So this is a very black and white situation. I had I remember an example of, of 
a meme I shared and I have someone close to me in my life that I know is having a very stressful time. And, you know, sometimes as a, a therapist or a counselor, you just know too much. But um, so I shared this meme that was like, if someone's mad at you, it's not your responsibility to figure out why it's their responsibility to ask you mm-hmm. um, and bring it up. Otherwise, it's not your business, which I do. I do fully believe I'm like, if there is an issue, then like I'm open to having conversations and knowing, of course, but I'm not going to speculate and mm-hmm. like ruminate on it. Mm-hmm. And they reacted. The reaction emoji was like the shock face mm-hmm. to that to me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> unfortunately, I know a lot of other life. I was like, they're in a, they're in a stressed state right now. They like, misinterpreted they that. They misinterpreted <laughs> that as a personal attack. <laughs> yeah. And I think that happens so often on social media, right? Like people and you see that, which is why people even I look at our um like our comment section on Facebook. Facebook's the the worst about trolls, guys. With trolls. Some of the best people are there, but also so the worst. The most trolls. Yeah. yeah. And uh and but some people aren't just so there's like the troll that's just out there being a troll, right? Yeah. And then there's the person that's well intentioned um and and you can tell they are in this survival state right like in their the way they talk about their child the way they talk about us yeah. and to us and about our information um you can tell that it is survival and they are perceiving everything as a threat like um mm-hmm. the example I'll use is in one of my videos I talked about there being no truth in the now when it comes to our thoughts when we're emotionally loaded and I had all these people comment like and in I probably did not explain it in the best way because I also have ADHD and sometimes with these big concepts, I have a hard time making them uh, like taking even right now what's going on in my brain and expressing it through my words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that probably happened as well. But there were some people who misinterpreted the comment and said, well, it's gaslighting your kids to tell them that there's no truth in the now. And it's that I never said to tell them that actually, I just said that like recognizing as a parent that like their thoughts are going to change based on their state or their emotions. Uh And other people in the comments are trying to like explain it and defend me. And then these people cannot see it outside of that. And that's where I'm like, okay, this person is in survival. They're well-intentioned and yeah, they have a point. We don't want to gaslight kids about our feelings, but they took one sentence from a three minute video and picked it apart and decided to like bash me on Facebook reels. And that, and, and to me, that's like the signal, like, okay, we're hypervigilant. We're like, yeah. You know, and so you just see it in how people show up online too. And it's oh, interesting. 100%. And now that we've talked about it, you guys are going to notice it everywhere. <laughs> um, and that's why it's so important too. Like, um, if anyone's ever read The Four Agreements, it's a great book. Have you read it? Um, but there, it's just like four rules for like living an emotionally healthy life. And one is like, um, pers- don't personalize anything. And this is so true. Like, it's so true. When someone's saying that to me, my first reaction is to like personalize it and let it affect me emotionally. Like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not like sharing valuable information or maybe I am telling people to gaslight their kids and I have to step out of that and be like whoa 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 and that's where like where I'm at in my emotional ladder it depends on how I'm able to receive that right because if I'm at the top I'm able to say like no this person is clearly having a hard time and they're doing the best they can and they misinterpreted that one line right Mm -hmm. but when I'm not then it's like oh maybe I am a terrible damaging therapist. Yes, yeah, and it depends on where you're at. Yeah. And so with ADHD symptoms at a four survival, we are constantly putting out fires, so it's almost like we're in constant crisis or chaos. 
were irritable, frustrated, poor concentration. So it's like all of your symptoms are even more exaggerated the more dysregulated your nervous system becomes. And that's true for a lot of reasons, but we already struggle with executive function, which is in the prefrontal cortex. And when you are lit up in the stress response, your prefrontal cortex is shut down. It's like, no, I'm on vacation. And so it makes sense that when you're in survival, our primary goal is safety and assessing danger and so you don't need concentration you don't need to recall something you've learned you don't need to remember something that you said two minutes ago or where you put that because that's not life or death this person on facebook is life or death yeah and it's for me like i can tell when i'm in this state by how i am feeling like i need to constantly be checking. So even, and this boils down to social media. So when I was in this state and I was getting these comments and I've also gotten these comments in our more regulated state. And it's when then I become like, I'm constantly refreshing to see if anyone else has commented. That's when I know I'm in this state because I'm scanning for danger. I'm scanning for danger. I'm scanning for danger. Right. And being aware of that's like, okay, I need to put my phone down. I need to do something to regulate. And it's really just like helpful to be aware of that. So it can also be like, maybe you're texting a friend and you're waiting for them to reply and you're checking your phone, checking your phone, checking your phone, that's scanning for danger, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so being aware of how that shows up in our modern world, because back in the olden days, like when we were kid people, scanning for danger meant looking for bears pretty much, you know what I mean? Um, And now it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And one of those is our phone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or checking our email or um, seeking feedback validation from the people around us yeah. um looking refreshing to see if anything new has happened with the ocean gate <gasps> i went into that for like a, a while yes it was and that makes sense because that is a communal tragedy well and all this happened at the same time so like for me it was like i was already heightened and then like it just transferred over right so in my attempt at coping sorry i was drinking diet coke before we recorded <laughs> which was probably not Um, the best attempt at coping and I wasn't able to see that because I was in survival at the moment was okay well instead of refreshing my feed to see if anyone else has commented mean shit about me (laughs) and my profession Mm -hmm. maybe I should refresh my feed to see if anyone anything has happened with Ocean Gate so it's like I replace the behavior to something a little bit more healthy and sometimes it goes like this and then I realize like oh this is still creating anxiety it's just different because it's not personal anxiety And then I was able to, like, transition out of that to, like, okay, I'm just going to take a phone break. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So that's climbing the ladder, right? Yeah. Like, um, in a slow way. Yeah. But you have to build the self-awareness first. Okay. What's the last one? Delusional. I love being delusional. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So delusional, she frames it as delusional because she believes that at this stage you are out of touch with reality. You're uncontrollable, unreasonable, willing to destroy others. And ourselves and our mind's obsessions completely take over. Yeah. And I'm like trying to think of a time when I was delusional. But you, so what's talk ADHD symptoms, you're emotionally volatile. Mm -hmm. Um, You're you're constantly in crisis or chaos and the people around you are, are the enemy and you're willing to do anything destroy those relationships or anything about those people and even yourself um to survive basically i call this like the i don't care phase like it's just like you you don't care about others you don't care about yourself like 
And when something happens, it's just like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Like I'm so, I'm, or even with your own behaviors, like, cause sometimes you see your behaviors and how they impact other people. And in this phase, it's like, I don't even care how it impacts you in this moment. I don't even care how it impacts me in this moment. Yeah. You're still going to do the thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you are overly sensitive and oftentimes oppositional. Yeah. Um, I always like to talk about the relation to others when we're at this stage, because when you are at this stage, you, you don't recognize your relation to others because you don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to bring it up now while we're all calm and regulated, maybe in a two, but your relation to others, you can be really clingy because you never want to be without, or you can be really distant and critical. And we often project our frustrations and anger with ourselves and what's happening, like the stresses around us onto other people. Mm-hmm. And we place blame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the, the signpost you might want to look for is if you're constantly complaining or blaming other people for what's going on in your life, your circumstances. Um, and it's in a, I am the victim mentality. Uh-huh. That's when you maybe want to look at, uh, especially relationally, right? Because in relationships, any relationship, there is, there is a part you contribute to a dynamic, even if it's enabling the dynamic, right? Like, yeah. so, um, but if it's a hundred, if you feel like something is a hundred percent someone else's fault, then you maybe want to look at like, do I need to regulate before I deal with this conflict? Yes. And I think it's important to point out that we travel up and down this ladder and exist in different states of this ladder at different points, even during our day. It's not like you're at a one or a two all day for 24 hours or you're living at a five for seven days. Um, you can travel up and down this ladder at different points during your day. So I have moments where I'm in a five. And I'm like, okay, so I recognized that after a while that that was my pattern. Like getting home from work, if my husband was there and my kids were there, I'm walking in the house. I didn't give myself a window to transition. I'm in a five at this point. And I recognize that things that don't normally bother me are bothering me a lot. And I would start making comments like, wow, the house is so messy. What did you do all day? Are you just sitting there? Like, wow, I didn't even wash the dishes and you were home all day. Like, how come you like, okay, so I'm just going to get off work and I'm going to make dinner even though... Like everyone was here and available to make something for themselves, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So the first thing I did was shut my mouth. I practiced a lot not saying things out loud because mm-hmm. I'm recognizing like I have difficulty with transitions in general. That is one of my ADHD symptoms. Mm-hmm. Transitions are hard. It doesn't matter who's home or what was done. If I walk in the door after work, I need like a 15 or 20 minute window to regulate myself. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what's happening around me. And so then I recognize that I'm at a five when I walk in the door and my husband and kids are going to be home. If no one's home, it's easier for me because there's not a lot of stuff happening around me. Mm-hmm. And then I regulate and then I move on. But it's like I already walk into them running around and talking or playing or whatever and it's stimulating. So then I'm already at like maybe a four when I walk in and then stimulated immediately. So I drop down to a five. And so I was like, okay, I'm really placing blame on on my partner and my kids or other people that I'm close to in my life during this little window and it's happening a lot. So then I recognized it was damaging my relationships with them each time I was getting off work. And so then I was able to like, okay, but before that I wasn't at a four or five, right? Like I just know that about me when I'm moving into a transition, I'm more likely to slip into like a four. And so coming up with strategies and tips and stuff before 
when I'm in a more calm, regulated, able to attach it state of like a two has really helped. So then I move instead of going to a five and then waiting a really long time to move back up. Now I'm more at like a, a four and then back to a three and then a two. And now I'm now with even more progress, I'm like maybe a three and then back to a two. And I think this is an important example because we look at neurodivergent parents parenting neurodivergent kids and this is a common like a comment we get a lot on our like tips and tricks type videos is this is so hard when you are also a neurodivergent parent so we talk about being able to like hold space and guide our kids through these things and how difficult it is when we have our own struggles as Mm -hmm. neurodivergent parents and so I'm thinking of that I have the same issue with transitions and I do actually like I listen to a song in my car or like a podcast, like as a way to help transition my brain coming home. And, but the, the thing too about coming home is like my kids want to see me and they're like very like in my face the second I get home. And so it's like, I want to honor their needs in the moment and be responsive to them while also honoring my own needs. And it is so tricky. Or maybe if I've had a hard day, and I'm feeling emotional and I know that they've had a hard day, it, it like amps me up walking into it because it's like, okay, I'm tired and exhausted emotionally and I may be in a four, almost a five. And then I've got like big emotions. Plus sometimes the time of day I get home at is like bedtime. And so it's like, that's the whiniest time of night anyway. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just naturally because they're tired. And so it's taken a lot of like awareness on my part. Like what do, and this is where this is so important. If you have a neurodiverse family, which my whole family is at this point. So um, how can I support myself as the parent so that I can support my child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the five rungs of the ladder, the emotional, how to cultivate emotional health and understanding. And next week, we'll talk about kids specifically. Bye. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, Creating Community and Smashing Parental Stigma, Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.